This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Laravel News Podcast. This is episode 78. Thanks so much for joining myself and Michael. It again is a late night here in the Midwest of the US of A, and it is a beautiful sunny day in the wonderful continent of Australia. How are you, my friend? I'm going well. It's uh, it's a bit sunnier now. It was very cloudy this morning. The weather's been very up and down. We had the hottest day in like 130 years a week no ago way. and now yeah and now it's uh we had rain yesterday and we went and caught up with some of the other babies and parents that were in the nursery when when Eli was born yesterday that's and cool. we were going to go to this park and we got there and it was yeah that's right so we went for that and it was like bucketing down rain when we got there so we ended up going to get coffee and then by the time we left that and uh Went for Eli's swimming lesson. It was sunny again, so it's all over the place at the moment. Yeah, but uh, I I see you lot are having a bit of a cold snap oh over gosh, there. Lots dude. of snow, lots of cold. It was uh, let's see, last week. So we had an eighty degree swing in I think two days, three days, three days. All right. Yeah. Right. So it was uh, it was negative twenty. Felt like negative forty five. That's the coldest weather I've ever been in my life. It's too cold. It was really. It was bad. It was pretty bad. Luckily for both you and me, neither of our current governments have any plans for doing anything about climate change now <laughs> or in the future. So, so we're golden. We're golden. Yeah, you'll freeze to death and I'll melt. Hey, man, so you know, it's got to end sometime. It. It's got it's, it's to end sometime, right? I mean, yeah, this isn't when, going on when forever. When we end, yeah. yeah so. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's just eventually going to happen. So, you know, let's let's hasten it. Let's just uh, just crank those carbon emissions through the roof and just get it over with, you know? Yeah. Kevorkian, yep. Dr. Kevorkian style yep 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 well hey we've got some uh good stuff for you we apologize that this is a week late i'm totally blaming it on michael and uh, yeah you would yeah i would <laughs> <laughs> it was my fault i'm gonna let everybody guess what i was doing go ahead take a moment think about it mm-hmm. guess don't think too hard you were it's correct not, it's not that i was nah. sleeping and i i almost i mean this week i'm telling you dude it was a struggle i'm on the struggle bus right now man i am exhausted i don't know why i'm so tired <laughs> i need to get re, i need to get exercising again you know most people are like new year's mm-hmm. resolutions like hey i'm going to get back in the gym i'm like no nope, i'm skipping yeah. it for a while man i'm so yeah. tired so anyway i need to get some i need to get my energy levels back up but uh well i'm i'm back at the gym and i just i feel I, like i wake up and i feel tired i'm all right once i get out of bed but it's just that lethargy in the morning where i just don't want to get up and go but yeah i mean i guess it's just baby yep i was gonna say there's one word syllable for that kids yeah or one yeah. one syllable word you know what i meant one well you are tired i so. am i am yeah so uh yeah hey let's go ahead go ahead let's let's get into this before we do i've just just looking at the laravel news website and it looks a little bit different it looks a little bit tighter a little bit cleaner it feels a bit lighter it does indeed it's, uh, it certainly seems to load a little bit quicker yes and that is because our good friend and boss mr eric barnes contracted out some work to jason Beggs mr jason to Beggs. Re- redesign or rebuild rather the laravel news website using tailwind css 
I guess if your only consumption of Laravel news is through the podcast, you wouldn't notice the difference between before and now. But for those of you who are avid readers of the Laravel news blogs and tutorials and so on, you would notice that it's looking pretty tight. The uh, the blog posts look a little cleaner now. We've got some sidebars and some of the little minor mobile issues have been fixed up. Um, and it looks really nice. So thanks to uh, to Jason for, for getting that done. Jason's the man. I think Jason is actually still looking for... I mean, I think... I know he's like contractable right now. Like you can mm-hmm. go go work with him, right? He's a great guy. I swear I've been trying to bring him on for like a couple different projects uh, over the last months. And it's not his bad. Jason, sorry. I know you're listening to this probably. Uh, it's not his bad. It's totally on me. Uh, the, the projects that I've had have been like, hey man, I'm ready to go, ready to go. And then it's like, great, okay, send me the stuff. And then the, the one... The other half that I'm kind of waiting on just falls through. And so there's been two yeah. projects like that so far. And so we're going to make it happen eventually, but uh, nothing yet. But Jason's a great guy. Yeah, if you want, so if you're looking for some good work, talk to Mr. Jason. He, he does good stuff. So anyway, yeah, um, Tailwind. I'm loving Tailwind, man. It's, you know, I think one of the things that's really, really great about it is that uh, it kind of, since it's using post CSS, that's how it works it also makes it super easy to clean up any classes that you don't use, right? So you don't have to worry about mm-hmm. any of this weight of any classes that you are not using. So your CSS files are so tiny. And because yeah. there's so much repeated text in the in the CSS that you do generate, gzipping it just you know yeah. crunches that size right down because that's how gzipping works, right? Is it basically finds a repeated chunk of text and then it creates a pointer to the location where it was first first made. Right. So instead mm-hmm. of having to repeat the word margin, right, it just says, oh, I used that before. Point back to that spot margin. Right. And so any repeated text really gets is optimized for, for gzipping and something like CSS, obviously, where you have a, a limited list of possible CSS uh, variables or not variables. What's the word I'm looking for? Properties, CSS properties. Yeah. Right? And gzips mm-hmm. really well. So anyway, yeah, yeah. gzips really down tiny. And so your CSS files uh, are nice and tight. So. Yeah. Speaking of that, yeah, after gzipping, uh, well, after running the the finished CSS through Purge CSS and then gzipping it, um, the 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 CSS bundle size for the entire Laravel News website is six point eight kilobytes. That's insane. So it's tiny. It's tiny. Yep. So well done, guys. Well done. Looks good. All right. So yeah, let's jump right into it. Um, okay. Let's take a look at what we got here with Laravel Lang translations for Laravel. Is this the same uh, kind of, um, this is not the same thing that we've been following along with, with the other tutorial that was going on, is it? Uh, no. Laravel Lang is a collection of over 60 different language translations for Laravel. So, you know, I mean, maybe you and I don't know as well, but Laravel ships with a, a file inside the um, I think the resources Lang En directory, and mm-hmm. there's some in there for auth, there's some in there for validation and things like that. So all of that are the English versions of all of the you know the validation strings that you get in there. So converting the Laravel validation error messages ah, yes. happens in this file. So these validations is a collection by Fred Delrieu, who has basically got them all sorted out into all the different languages. Um, so if you wanting to you know if you're wanting to localize your Laravel application, rather than having to go through and and write all those translations yourself, you can check in on this package and do that. And of course, if 
your localization puts you in a language that isn't already included in this um, in this package, then obviously do your bit and uh, contribute your language's translation back to the package so other people can make use of it. Yeah, very cool. That's very generous. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, what was it? Frank? Is that what it was? Fred. 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 Fred? Sorry, Fred. I was close. Yeah, thanks, Fred. Really, that's, a, that's an amazing contribution to the community, and then a lot of people will benefit from that. It can be difficult to source those translations. Uh, we've we've yeah. been trying to localize our site over at Spread Truth for some things, and um, yeah, it's quite a process, right? You got to put all the strings together, and then you got to you know do the translate, then get it uh, approved, and, and kind of like get it looked over. There's some really good tools to do that, by the way. Crowdin, if you haven't used Crowdin before for localization stuff, mm-hmm. you should check that out. Anyway, I digress. Thank you, Fred. Very good good work. Okay, so Laravel Mailbox. I, I kind of think what we should do is uh, while we're on the, t- the, uh, the packages bandwagon here, let's just kind of roll through the rest of the ones that have been uh, that have been done and discussed over the last couple weeks here. And uh, once we get through yep. packages, maybe we can talk about Laravel updates. Does that, does that sound sure. peachy with you? Peachy, peachy. That sounds good. All right, so let's move on to the next one, Laravel Mailbox. So Marcel Possier um, created this. This is a package for handling incoming mail uh, into your Laravel application. So it features a Fluent API that allows you to define custom mailboxes to catch incoming emails. So this works uh, with uh, by listening for incoming emails uh, from a couple different supported drivers. There's Mailgun, SendGrid, and Log. I believe Log is probably also, you know, obviously going to be for local testing, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. And then what it does is it responds to them through custom mailbox classes. So there's very, very, of course, just like any package that Marcel creates, he always keeps the API in mind, right? It seems like every single one of these packages, Marcel would basically sit down at the computer and write, how would I want to ideally consume this code, right? How would I want to, you know, consume this code as a user of it? And he starts there and then just makes it work. And it's, it's just really, really nice how he, how he has it laid out. So he just says mailbox from, and then you put in the domain and the user that you want to receive that mail from. And then it just receives a closure of an inbound email. And then you can do whatever the heck you want with that thing. Uh, So, you know, one example, right, that I'm actually using from somewhere else that I'm not using this for, uh, which I wish this was around when I was creating this, is I have an email. I don't know. I can't share the email address because maybe people would start spamming it, right? But I have this email address that I basically say like, hey, I want to take anything that comes into this email. I want to capture the body and capture any attachments and then push it into our document capture system. So what we used to have mm-hmm. to do is we used to have to manually you know, create PDFs of, of whatever we were sending and then go push it over to our capture system. And now what I can do is any email that we send out, I just blind carbon copy this email and then it just grabs the body, grabs any attachments and then captures it to the file, right? Does a little regex on the subject line and says, oh, I know what file that goes to, you know, or what claim that belongs to, pulls all the stuff off and goes and drops it into our document capture system. So, I mean, there are literally a million different use cases that you could make for how uh, this could be useful. And obviously it always is going to depend on the domain that you're programming for, but um, there's just a lot of places where you could find value with this. Um, Is there anything that you're doing, Michael, uh, with... With this sort nothing, of concept? Nothing that I'm doing, yeah. Nothing that I'm doing. I would love to sit down and replace our ticket system with something like this. Just ah, for yes. no That's other reason idea. really than to actually be able to associate a customer support request with their account in our CRM. Because currently we're running a you know open source off-the-shelf thing. So 
it's it's separate to the ticket uh, it's separate to the crm itself which is a bit bit annoying and a bit useless because then you don't ever see a history of you know of requests that have come yeah. in from customers and things like that so one day yeah that's um, a, it's obviously not on the top of our list that's a great point that's honestly probably one of the most common use cases uh, right, if you've ever submitted a ticket in and then you get an email back that says, reply back to this above this line, right? That's exactly mm-hmm. what this is doing is it's saying, hey, go ahead and send it back to us and then we're going to pick it up and we'll handle it and process it. And um, it totally makes sense that Marcel would be the one creating this because he's also the dude behind Botman, right? Yeah. And so really when you think about it, this is just another interface into your application. So if you think through like the HTTP layers and, and is a, a layer of uh, access into your application, and then you also have like the command line, right? Marcel kind of through all these different channels, you've got Facebook, you've got Telegram, you've got all these different ways that you can use to kind of interact with your with your application through something like Botman, right? This email now is just another layer where you can hook into your application and use it as an interface for for a user to talk yeah. to you. Yeah. Pretty cool. Hey, is there anything else while we're talking about Marcel? Is there anything else we want to talk about for him? He's got some really cool stuff going on right now. He's got this... Uh, he, I, I, I saw you twi- uh, comment on it the other uh, day. He's got this new um, course coming out. Oh, the PHP package development course. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I think he's I think he's recorded so far about two and a half hours of video, and I think he was just about to set off on recording some Laravel specific things. So he talks about building packages for PHP in general, and then I guess that the the Laravel specific stuff would be taking those packages and then wiring them up to use with Laravel. So looking at adding service providers, talking about package auto discovery and things like that. So. You know, we've got a few packages at work that we kind of share between different applications. So we're we're pretty well established in in how we go about doing that. But it'd be interesting to see uh, from Marcel's perspective because he's built so many packages that is you know open source. So it'd be good to get some tips on on what he does from there. So if you if you're looking for some package development tips, then definitely check it out. I think it's just at phppackagedevelopment.com. Yep, that's it. Yeah, and like you said, it's not necessarily Laravel specific. It's PHP in general. Um, and it was interesting reading through just kind of like the quick elevator pitch of it. I was like, hey, do you find yourself reusing code and like going and copying and pasting from other code bases? Like, hey, it might be a good opportunity to extract a package. How do you do that? Here's how you do that, right? So looks good. Looks good. So thanks, Marcel. Really good stuff here. And uh, I, I won't be using it right now, but I'm sure in the near future I will find I'll find a spot where I can implement that. Okay, what else do we got? We have Scout Extended. Um, so earlier this week, Algolia released Scout Extended, which is the f- official Algolia Laravel integration. Oh, nice. I didn't realize that. And the package, yeah. So the package was built by Algolia's employee and creator of Laravel Zero, Nuno Maduro. Some of the highlight features of this integration include being able to implement site-wide search amongst different models with aggregators. Zero downtime reimports into production, configuring search experience and syncing, improved search builders, a status overview in your console command, integrating with client-side Insta search libraries, and useful macros and facades provided by Algolia Extended. So, if you're not familiar with um, Laravel Scout, what it is is a first-party package for Laravel that allows you to hook into your models and put them into um, either Elasticsearch or Algolia. You can do it in the database if you want to. There's different drivers that you can get um, through Packages. 
and it gives you full text searching of your models. So where you would previously have to do like filtering and you, you do a whole chain of like where or where or where if you wanted to search for like contact name is this or the email is this or the username is this or whatever. If you set up your indexes with Scout and push that all into Algolia or Elasticsearch, whatever drive you're using, you can just type like Jake Bennett and it'll go and search all of those fields and return to you all of the models that match those things. So um, it's it's much nicer than using MySQL's full text search. It's much nicer than doing all of these like queries and all of these, um, you know, chained wares and things like We've that. We've all experienced that pain. You just... Yeah, so um, we were talking about adding extra filters into our CRM and we've got like 15 of them, 15 separate search inputs at the moment. And I said, it'd be nice if we could just take all of this stuff and throw it into Elasticsearch and then just have a, a single search box like Google style that you just type in whatever you want and it'll return like here's a service, here's a customer, here's a contact, here's whatever based on that search criteria. So. We're actually spinning up an Elasticsearch server for something else. So, it'd be nice to see if we can just hook into that pretty easily. Yeah. So, to clarify here, just because I want to make sure this is crystal clear. So, Scout in Laravel is allow is able to hook into one of a couple different drivers, right? That you can use to kind of get this full text search, right? So, Scout Extended is essentially a extension of the default Laravel Scout package, so it's built Specific by for Algolia. Correct. It's built by Algolia and is, you know, leveraging some of the things that Algolia gives you and makes the you know, takes the version of Scout that ships with uh, you know, that's a default version of Laravel and customizes it a little bit. Right. So you can't use this obviously with anything other than Algolia. Uh, but just wanted to make sure that was clear because that was a little confusing for me when I was first looking at it. But yeah, yeah. very good. Looks great. Okay. Uh, let me see here. We have, this is not really necessarily a package thing, but I'm going to use it to segue into a package thing. Okay. So Laravel 5.8 is deprecating string and array helpers. <gasps> Gasp. I just heard that. I just dun, felt dun, all dun. the oxygen was like sucked out of the room here. They're gone. Yeah. String and array helpers are deprecated. Actually, they're not, de- they're not gone yet. Right. Yeah. They're not uh, gone yet. They're just deprecated. In 5.9, they will be removed. Yeah. Okay. Now let's let's fill the room back up with with air. Right. It's <laughs> going to be available as a as a package. Right. Um, yeah. So, want to caution? It's still in the early deprecation process. Nothing is finalized as far as how Laravel moves forward with an optional package. But it seems clear that Laravel will offer a voluntary voluntary helpers package if you want to keep using them. So what this would seem like to me is number one, I, I feel like. This is a heavy burden to bear for people like Taylor and Mohammed and um, Dries who are constantly have to monitor pull requests and things like that. This is a really, really popular thing for people to add things to. Um, so yeah. what I assume, I would assume this would go some like the way of Laravel Collective, right? So Laravel Collective already currently hosts things like the forms uh, and HTML helpers that were in previous versions of Laravel. So I would assume that these would kind of probably get rolled into something like that where the 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 community can kind of help to manage those take that off of the plate of some of the core maintainers and allow that to be pulled in optionally which i'm i'm sure a lot of people will 
pull those in, but if you don't want to, you don't have to, you don't use them, yeah. no big deal. It, it's, it's not a problem. So I think, I think the biggest argument against the, the string helpers themselves and the array helpers is that they're polluting the, the global namespace. Okay. And if you're bringing them That's into fair. legacy applications, you get collisions. Now, Laravel's helpers are all wrapped in a function exist check, yep. so it, will, it won't override them. But typically, the Laravel helper files are loaded before any of your application helpers would be. So they would actually get set up in the global namespace before any of your application-specific ones would be. So there are things like array add or you know string plural or string equals or whatever that could potentially be already available in your application if you're if you're you know moving to Laravel. So what's happened internally in the framework is all of the the array and string helpers have been replaced with their underlying um, AR array class. So there's a I think it's in Illuminate support ARR and Illuminate support STR are the two underlying classes. So all of the string helpers have been replaced with those in the framework. And then the string and array helpers themselves will be pulled into a separate first party package is my understanding. Okay, so it will be available party, okay. at Laravel slash helpers. Yeah. So it's just a, just a way of decoupling that. I'll certainly be pulling it in because they're so convenient. And, you know, they really are. it's obviously yeah. a case by case thing. I guess... Moving forward with with future versions of PHP, the the idea is that you should namespace your functions as well, and then import functions or import namespaced functions, um, which you know could be a, a path forward if you wanted to keep doing it that way. But I'm I'm happy with just shoving them in the in the global namespace. They're not causing us any issues in our particular instance. So you know your mileage may vary, but certainly a good reason. And it's it's not you know. A big issue to to change things like to change things over using the underlying classes within the framework it probably makes more sense anyway. Yeah, I don't disagree. A uh, good point. Uh, so I kind of wanted to use that to transition into a quick community link. Uh, so Caleb Porzio, our good friend from Twenty Percent Time and former Titan Co team member who is now kind of venturing out on his own, uh, put out a blog post this last week called 11 Awesome Laravel Helper Functions That Aren't in Laravel. So Caleb is kind of known humorously as this as the string king. I think that's what it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so he was kind of the guy that just started spamming Taylor with string helpers, I feel like. No, no disrespect to Caleb, but literally spamming him. And so... Uh, and so Caleb is responsible for many of the amazing helper functions that we have in Laravel. And he had basically talked through here are some that he either submitted and they got not, you know, not pulled in or basically he didn't submit them and just uses them on his own. And they are really, really awesome. Um, yeah. So he's got a list of 11 here. Uh, there's okay, which was like, hey, just return a successful response. String wrap, string between, string match, string validate, carbon, user money man i feel like a thing is it's so funny because as i'm looking through these i feel like a lot of them are like yep i do that every single time and i don't have a helper for that like money yeah. for example um yeah money is a good one money that is I, a good I mean one. i just use money format but money format's a bit yeah finicky because it's money format and then you have to pass the format and then the value it's and, a mess and it relies on like locales being set up and things like that as well so you know not having to do that work every time you call you know you want to render or you know display a string for money, yeah. Um, is is helpful. Carbon is another one. We we've actually got a carbon helper in our applications as well, which is nice. Rather than having to do the whole carbon parse thing and 
and remembering that oh, and I've got to import carbon and then there's actually two versions of carbon because there's yep, aluminum support yeah. carbon and then there's the you know the underlying carbon carbon class so yeah and then he's got two really interesting ones at the bottom which are chain and tinker so the first one basically allows every class any class to be a fluent class so you just say chain and then you say new you new up new up your class inside there and then it basically just returns it's almost like a tap i don't know he said there's some really funky funky excuse me funky implementation for how he did that <laughs> but basically yeah. you know takes your copy of the class and then just passes passes each method back to it. so a fluent interface for those of you who are not familiar basically jquery i feel like was one of the first things i don't know i can't say this for sure because jquery is the first thing i saw that was using it but i'm sure it was around before then right where you can just mm -hmm. kind of chain methods so you just say like yeah. jquery like find this object dot whatever dot whatever dot whatever dot whatever dot whatever right so you can just kind of chain methods um and so that's called a fluid interface so this allows you to do that with any class that you that you have so mm -hmm. yeah uh and then the last one is tinker and this one is pretty cool too so it's a helper function that you wrap uh like a variable in and what it'll do is it will instead of die dump out it'll basically open up a a um, tinker session in your console with this variable available to you to mess with. So like if you're running your PHP unit tests, this is like a poor man's um, X debug, right? Just wrap a variable yeah. with tinker and then it just, you get to that point in your test and it just pauses and you have that variable available to you in a tinker session. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's not on the news list, but I thought I'd throw it out there because it was a pretty, pretty good <laughs> post. So thanks, Caleb. All righty. What else do we have here, Mr. Dorinda? So we've got a subdomain multi-tenancy package for Laravel. So if any of you are working in places where you're multi-tenanting your application by subdomains, so if you've got laravel.com and you've got jake.laravel.com is your own little multi-tenanted part of that and michael.laravel.com is my own multi-tenanted part of that, this package will allow you to handle tenanting based on the subdomains. So... I'm assuming that it does stuff based on routing. Um, it's got some traits that you can pull in to determine if you your users belong to tenants and things like that. So if you're looking at an approach for handling multi-tenancy using subdomains, then definitely check out this package from uh, Romiga Digital. It's also got a multi-tenancy Nova tool to manage your multi-tenancy functionality in your application. So that's helpful as well, right? So that's not something you have to build on your own. You can just kind of pull that tool in. And um, so tools basically in Nova just kind of attach themselves to your sidebar there. So they're listed as a new tool. You just click that and can manage all your uh, multi-tenancy subdomains, it looks like. So yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Thank you, everyone who was involved in making that one happen. Uh, why don't we do this? Why don't we go through and next talk about any of the new releases in Laravel? We've got 7.22, 7.23, and then 7.25. I'm sure covers like uh, it's a, like 7.24 must have been like a really minor one or something. Yeah. All right. Yep. Let's get 7.22 first. Um, and if you're not on the ball on that one, then I will pull that one up real quick here because I mean that sounded almost like it was a backhanded way to say that, Michael. I apologize. Are you <laughs> suggesting that I'm ever off the ball? <laughs> Hey, I just know that How you always... How many times did you I, sleep through a recording this week? I, I, <laughs> I just know you always... I just know you always say um, uh, nothing like, like springing that one on me. Like you just... I just <laughs> drop it. Like, hey, 
Why don't you take 7.22? <laughs> I can take this one. Why don't you, you queue up 7.23? Okay. Go on. So uh, a fix was added for the test response assert JSON validation errors when there are no errors. So previously the assertion would throw an ex- error and exception if no errors were present in the response. So it does not do that anymore. So assert JSON validation errors is a little bit different than assert. Let's see. I think there's like assert session has errors. I think there's a couple different ones, right? But like assert JSON validation errors, it passes back an actual JSON object. And then I think you can um, make assertions uh, on that object, right? Uh, So now it's allowed to be called without an argument. uh, If the test has validation errors, in this case, they're now printed to the console with a helpful error message instead of just blowing up in your face, right? Okay. The view front end preset uh, stubs got Laravel Mix version four compatibility updates. So if you haven't yet uh, upgraded to Laravel Mix version four, the new view front end preset uh, will have the uh, comparability updates for that. Along with that, the React preset was updated to use Babel pre, uh, preset React package, which is uh, now a required dependency. And the last change was using config to resolve the database value during tests. Um, So you can see the full list of fixes in the change log, which is provided on the blog post. And you can check that out at laravel-news.com slash laravel-5-7-22. All right, 5.7.33, hit us up. Or 5.7.23, what do we got? So this one covers 5.7.23 and 2.4. The Laravel team and contributors released 5723 along with a fix for the reset password notification in 5724. However, the bulk of the changes here are in 23. The abstract paginator get options method was added to retrieve the original paginator options which are now stored in an options property. So I guess previously you were not able to get those options um, out of your paginator. I think that that must talk about how you do the pagination. Have you have you used that option stuff before, Jay? I don't think I have. In in some situations, it is useful to have access to the original options passed to a paginator. For example, when you want to create an instance of your own custom paginator implementation from an instance of the abstract paginator. So this is giving you the ability to get, get to those underlying options from the original constructor. Next, we've added an or where proxy method. So kind of like a, a higher order proxy. Um, so it's attached via the higher order builder proxy, which allows you to do an all where and then pass it the name of a method. Whereas previously Ooh, you would have had to do all where and then pass a closure and then pass all the way through. So it's it's a bit cleaner syntax without having to nest all of those closures about the place, which is nice if if that's something that you're doing. The ability to configure the app path for your application has also been introduced which was previously only possible through subclassing the application, uh, the, the foundation application class, which meant having to go through and, and modify the bootstrap app.php file. So now you can do that all through a configuration, which is nice. I think I've seen in subsequent releases of Laravel that you can do this for like the storage path and the resource path and a couple of other different paths now as well, which is kind of handy if you're not sticking with Laravel's default structures. Right, because they flattened out the resource path. I think that was kind of like one of the... Uh things that were like, hey, we'll throw you a bone here. All right, we'll make some of these other yeah. things customizable. Yeah. Mm. And the, the last new feature in 5.7.2.3 is a configuration for the stack logger. So when you set... When set to true, ah. the handlers... Ah, when, ignore yeah, exceptions. Okay, so you can now, yeah, ignore exceptions in your stack logger. So when set to true, the handlers are wrapped in monologues. What failure group handler? Handler. 
so what this does is extends a group handler and ignores exceptions raised by each child handler, which allows you to ignore issues where a remote TCP connection may have failed, but you do not want your entire application to crash and may wish to continue to log to the other handlers. So I suppose this is if you are logging to different places and if you're like logging to paper trail as well as logging to disk in your mm-hmm. logging stack, if the log to paper trail fails, you don't want that to crash out your entire application. So that's a, that's a handy feature to have there. Yeah, which personally, I always just write to me my... Uh, I, I, <laughs> talking like a pirate. I write to me Yarr. local files. Um, what is that? What is that thing? Oh, syslog. I just log to syslog and then I have, um, Uh paper trail, pick it up. Although honestly, there is some annoying noise that you get with that too. So like you get any like daemons that are running. Yeah. Anything else that logs to syslog. Yeah. Which sort of sucks. So maybe I should change that. I should probably change that because it does get really annoying. I literally have a filter in paper trail that says like ignore noise or remove noise. And it just is like, (laughs) yeah, ignore everything. Minus daemon, minus this, minus that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then 5724 was tagged to fix a reset password notification call that was incorrect. Now, I'd like to put my hand up. I I made that change. And then, so in the reset password, I put a line. We, we added a line into the, the notification that gets sent to the user to say that this, uh, the, the password reset, reset link will expire after X minutes that you can configure in your application. Uh, we actually bumped on that with with some of our customers where they were doing the password reset and then they would like go off and do something else and then come back and click on the link and find that it doesn't work. So we put in there, that there was an article that I found, I think it was from one of the transactional mail providers, might've been Postmark, that says, you know, it's a good idea to say that you should communicate that this link will expire so that people know that like they should do it fairly urgently. Otherwise, it's going to stop working yeah. and if it stops working, they know why. So we put that in there. All of all of the existing lines in that notification were already using the language facade mm-hmm. to handle translation. I, I guess the 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 call to that was changed and maybe not correctly. So a fix was quickly sent out to do that. The upside, now that it's all working, is that you will actually get another line in that email that says by the way, this thing will expire after 60 minutes or whatever you configure in your application. Nice. It reads out of the, yeah. the config for that, which is which is handy. Hopefully that relieves some stress from our call center getting those calls. And being, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Did you never know though? <laughs> yeah. Because if they didn't check their email to see that it was saying that it was going to expire quickly, then it doesn't make any difference, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they'll find some other reason to call. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um. Okay, so 5.7.25, let's take a look at this real quick. Uh, little changes here. So first one is that when you define a relative date validation, such as date equals tomorrow, uh, that is now translatable. So that validation error is translatable. This is a pretty interesting one. Computed column support was added to the my, uh, MS SQL, so like Microsoft SQL grammar. Um, so you can say something like blueprint, uh, so like when you're setting up your migration, right? You usually say something like table, string. You can now say like table computed. And then you can say like discounted virtual price is equal to price minus five or something like that, mm. right? So it's a computed property. I don't think you can do that in, in um, my SQL. No. no, but that's pretty no. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, um, I guess I guess that uh, mutators... Uh, no, accesses. Well, I guess both of them are 
the uh, the code land implementation of that that stuff that's not available in in the database. Are you saying like get attri- like uh, like getters? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So if you if you wanted to have like a get discounted virtual attribute, and then you could do that calculation in your model, whereas this is allowing you to do that that kind of calculation directly in your database. Yeah, and in addition to that too, uh, you can have like a virtual column, right? That doesn't actually get stored, but you can also have a stored computed property, which updates every time your your data your uh, record updates, right? So, nice. and there's a small distinction between how you create that in your in your migration. So, if you just wanted the computed property that's just virtual, you just say computed, give it the name, and then basically use a, a query essentially to figure out what that should what that should be. So, like in this case, price minus five. If you wanted to actually persist it to a a, a real like virtual column, I suppose, like on the database, right? You just say arrow persisted, and that will put it into a into a uh, column or whatever, right? So. Yeah, so it doesn't have to be calculated at runtime, I guess, is what that would be. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Man, I don't know. Like, the only thing for me is uh, it's so nerve-wracking to get away from MySQL because, I don't know, I just feel like I've been on it forever, right? And my tests yeah. run great with it. And it's like, what sort of support is there in, like, Travis for Microsoft SQL? And I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just not a big deal at all. Um, but, mm. I don't know. It's one of those things. I haven't looked into it. But we run most of our stuff through, like... Uh, or a lot of our stuff has access to, you know, Microsoft SQL. It, it's yeah. it's available to me if I wanted to use it. So I don't know. Yeah. By the way, I would, if I was you, start moving all of your Windows hosted stuff off of Windows. That's that's PHP. There's there's some rumblings at the moment around do. PHP version eight and the the JIT compiler that they're, they're planning on introducing to that. I don't think that it even properly run. I could be wrong, and someone will correct me if I am. I'm, I'm fairly certain they've got some issues around compilation for PHP 8. It's very early days. They've only just branched off and started working on it. Um, but the feeling I get is they don't particularly care that some stuff just doesn't work in PHP 8. You know what? I've got like, I literally have moved most of my stuff off of Windows. There is one thing that I know has to be on windows for right now but in the very near future i won't have to have it on there so like i have this it's going to be a pain to migrate it over i have this one thing that has like an sdk that's written in like java it's a com Mm. it's like a com object right that i can only get for windows that i have to access through windows so i have to have it running on iis um and that is like the connector to our old legacy database system that that we run every the, the the entire business operates on, right? So I have to have one connector that I've got there that kind of provides an API to the rest of everything else, and I've got to have that one on there. But pretty much most of the rest of the stuff I've got moved off. Um, so and that's and that's only really used internally. So even if I had to say like, hey, we're going to use PHP seven point three until forever, you know, I could probably do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you get that. Here's the one other thing. For those of you who maybe haven't listened to this since my woes with like having to deal with IIS file systems and like the one key that was able to get me off of that, it is Minio. Minio. Do you remember what Minio is? Yep. Yeah. Go on. Tell tell the listeners though. Okay. So Minio essentially is uh, the, the big problem I had is I needed to be able to interact with Windows file systems, and the only way I could do that was to have a PHP installation on a Windows file system so that I could have permissions to talk to a specific location that I needed to access. 
What Minio does is it basically offloads the access to a file system and gives you a, a S3 compatible API layer to do that for you. So a Minio is a service that runs on your Windows machine and says point to this uh, this file this file location on Windows and just give me an S3 interface to allow me to talk to it. So now my Laravel applications are completely decoupled from that Windows that Windows file system, but I can talk to it just like I would talk to an S3 bucket, right? I can just say, I just use an S3 driver and say, hey, go get anything from that location or go write anything to that location. And it acts just like an S3 bucket would. And so I don't have to worry about any of that. As long as the Minio service is running, I have a key, I have a secret. My tests are great because I could just use all that, you know, everything that you would use for S3 sort of test. It's incredible. So it's it's completely revolutionized how we're how we're writing stuff now. And so anytime we're going to need to be uh, hooked into the Windows file system, it's just a Minio disk. Set up a new Minio disk, and away we go. It's pu- quite beautiful. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, we'll link that up in the show notes for sure. Yep. Okay. Moving on. Sorry. Okay. What else we got here? So we've got while like, we're talking about releases, let's talk about the new version of Vue that's just been released. Vue 2.6 Macros. Mm -hmm. What is this Macros? What is the name of Macros? I don't get it. Macros, I don't know. Macros looks like it might be some kind of transformer of some description. Yeah, Yeah, it's like a jet sort of thing. If you know, tell us. If you hit us up, (laughs) talk to us on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, The the most significant change that's coming to Vue 2.6 is the new Slot 6, which aligns Vue 2.6 with Vue 3. So I guess there's some changes coming in Vue 3. Uh, I don't I do not do a lot of JavaScript, so I'm not following too closely on what's happening in that, uh, in that ecosystem. But the new sy- syntax unifies the slot and slot scope attributes that we have in Vue 2.5 and earlier. So previously, I think you had to put the template inside a, like a top-level parent div of some description or a top-level component. Whereas with the new syntax, uh, you can do it all in line. So instead of having like a foo con- like parent element and then a template with a slot scope inside of that, um, you can now just go foo v slot all in one one thing. You you all know how terrible it is when we try and explain code. So <laughs> because none of that made any sense to anyone, we will put the link to the the post in the show notes for you to check out. Yeah, I think really it's it's basically allowing you to do if you were going to use like uh, slot scopes, which basically allow you to access the data values from a child component in a parent component sort of deal, right? Because that's that's one of the deals is like if you're if you're trying to um, use a slot to render some data, like so you're trying to basically. I'm going to do a terrible job explaining this because I've used them. I just don't understand it well enough to be able to explain it well. So maybe I I should just punt on this. But I think basically (laughs) what they're doing is they're just trying to make the syntax unified between if you were just using like a regular old slot and if you're using a slot scope. Um, Mm -hmm. So in any case, there you go. It's it's going to be hard for me to explain it better than that. So I'm not (laughs) going to. Cool. Well, now that we've made a dog's breakfast of that. A dog's breakfast. Thank you. That's a new one for me. I've not heard that one before. Yep. Fair enough. You can look that one up later. I'm going to. (laughs) View 2.6 now captures errors on V on handlers and you can return a promise from any lifecycle hooks or event handlers where you need to perform async operations. Any of the uncaught errors are are then sent to views error handlers and using async await makes this super convenient. 
uh, there is another example which you can look at in the show notes. I think we should probably just breeze through the rest of this. And if you want more information, then you should certainly look at the post because it's all pretty code heavy. Another feature that stood out to everyone's favorite human who wrote this article, Paul Redmond, was the view observable. Observable objects can be used directly in computed properties and render functions. There's also a source range for compiler errors. So when you get a template compile warning, um, you'll get the source range in the output. So similar to in Laravel Mix, when it fails to compile, it'll give you like a subset of the code and it'll point to where the error actually occurred. Then you'll get um, these compilation warnings as well from view, which will make it easier to pinpoint where those uh, issues occurred. So we'll link up the the Laravel News article on this, which also links to the view announcement post and the release notes if you want to check out more about that in greater, more competent detail. Yeah, this is pretty cool. So like, I mean, so the error handling real quick. So it talks about captures errors on V on handlers. You can, so you can return promises from lifecycle hooks. So if you were doing like a created lifecycle hook or a mounted lifecycle hook in a view component and you needed to do some sort of async operation where you're talking out to an API and then pushing posts onto your data object, uh, after getting back information from the API, um, mm-hmm. right? You can return promises from those, uh, and then you can you can catch those, or you can catch any errors from those. Is what is what they're saying there. Uh, the other thing yep. with the view observable, this is interesting. So like, <laughs> but view observable basically your data object uh, in a component is observable, meaning like it's reactive both ways, right? So yeah, uh, if something happens to it, it's it's observable, and, and you can react to those changes. So basically, you can create any. You can just create a new object, say view.observable, pass in an object, and now it basically behaves the same way. And it can be used directly in computed properties and render functions, which is pretty neat. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So those are kind of um, a, a, you know, tiny slice off the top of like, this is a little bit of what that is. Hold on one second. Yeah. Nice. Uh, we'll just, we'll rock through the last two things here and then I got to get going. All right, no problem. my son has also woken up. So. Oh, goodness. All right. Coming to Laravel 5.8 is a change to the way that cache times li- that uh, cache times are used. So previously we had minutes. Um, in order to be more compatible with the PSR 16 implementation that Laravel says that it is adhering to, this will be changed from minutes to seconds. So it gives you more control over your cache times if you want to say like this thing is only cached for 15 seconds. Uh, I mean, previously it would work if you put floats in there. So you could do like, you know, uh, one divided by four and you would get 0.25. So you would still get 0.25 of a minute and cache for 15 seconds. You could also pass in a, a date time object and that would work. Uh, but this is something to be mindful of that when we get Laravel 5.8 in the next couple of weeks, that you're going to need to change or review your use of cache where you've specified a, a time to live and and change that either to use a daytime object or you know multiply everything by 60 to get it into um, seconds. So there's that. The other thing that we'll just mention very briefly and, and that we'll put in the show notes for you to check out is an article on tips for using Laravel scheduler. So it talks about understanding cron um, it talks about the syntax, understanding scheduling event, uh, the event scheduling API um, and things like that. Um, and even using cron directly, which I've had to do a little bit in the future where... Oh, I totally you, forgot you could do that. Yeah, which is handy if you want to do something that's not 
you know, that it's outside of like they don't um, have one called, they don't want ha- they don't have a method called every two minutes, right? Correct, For which example, I needed, yeah, right, yeah, I needed an every two minutes one, so I ended up having to do you know cron uh, asterisk slash two whatever um, to get that done, which is something that you can do if you want. I mean, obviously, we can't have a human readable method for every single iteration right. because exactly. there's a limitless number of those. Yep. So definitely check this out if you need to do anything with regards to scheduling. Two one things or two things. Behind the scenes they all and event and eventually end up translating to cron strings anyway in scheduler. So yeah. So really by like using uh cron strings, it's not like you're like going backwards. You're actually just cutting through the the cruft and, and getting right down to it. So don't feel yep. shy doing it. It's it'll t- that's what's all used anyway. Uh, the other one that was there's was an article about testing integrations between third party webhooks and local applications. So a lot of times uh, what you have is let's say you're trying to write an application locally that's going to use a GitHub hook. Uh, like when somebody pushes code to GitHub, it is going to do this thing, right? And what GitHub will do is it'll allow you to provide a URL where that you, where that webhook is going to hit to. And if you're hosting a local application, you're like, oh no, how do I actually test that that's going to work? Well, ngrok to the rescue. So ngrok is a product created by blah, 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 whatever. You can get it in Valet. Valet Share is the easiest way to get a URL where you can actually have a application that's running on your local machine that is now available to the interwebs, right? It's available out there uh, yeah. for anything to hit. This is also really helpful for if you want to share some in-progress work with uh, some friends for feedback. We do this all the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a quick article on that and it makes these things really helpful. Like this, that scenario that I just gave with get a GitHub webhook was, I, I did that, right? So uh, mm-hmm. otherwise it's literally just impossible to, to be able to do that. So without having yeah. to like deploy it to the internet, to the internet in a way yeah, that's, yeah. it's just weird. And right? do your testing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, pretty cool article there. Yeah. All yeah. right. I know that's, I know we're both uh, trying to take care of family stuff here so i'll uh, yeah. wrap this one up hey everyone thanks so much for listening to episode 78 it's been great hanging out with you if you uh like this show feel f- please feel free to rate us up five stars in your podcatcher of choice show notes for this episode will be at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 78 if you have any questions comments feedback criticisms hate mail hate mail just direct them to michael questions comments feedback you can send them over to me jacob bennett or at laravel news on twitter's all right. I think we're good. Make sure that you all spread the love and say thanks and check out the great work that Jason Beggs did for the Laravel News website as well. Absolutely. We've got a lot of really good uh, community posts out there right now too. I was just looking through some of them before the show. There's some really good stuff out there. Make sure you check those out. And if you're writing articles, feel free to submit them to the community links. Yeah. Lots of good and, stuff. And uh, I think before the next time we record, is it? No. Might be just after the next time we record. Don't forget, Laracon Online is coming March sixth. Six thousand plus of us already planning on attending. Tickets are now full price at the shockingly high twenty five dollars. Um, I think there may still be some of the sponsored tickets if that's out of your price range. Definitely check that out. You can do that all at laracon.net. And last thing, if you are anywhere in the Midwest area and you are looking to view uh, Laracon online with some other developers, please come hang out with me in Bloomington, Illinois. I've got the whole thing set up. All you have to do is go to Laracon.net, scroll down to viewing parties, and Bloomington viewing party is like the, the top of the second list there. Click that. It's a free ticket. You get free breakfast, free lunch, snacks, all sorts of fun stuff. 
come hang out with us. Come make the drive. We've got people coming from Wisconsin. We've got people coming from Indiana, people coming from South Illinois, or Southern Illinois, all over the place. So come hang out with us. We'd love to see you there. Nice. Awesome. All right, everybody. We will see you in all a right. couple weeks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>